So hello, everyone. This is Otessa, and you are listening to Conversations with Hysterical Women. That's Women with an X, the Hysterical Women podcast, where you are all welcome here, friends, allies, everywhere across the rainbow, across the binary. I'm just really glad to have you be here. And this is meant to be a safe space to explore all of the weird things that life throws at us and all of the different ways in which we can be twisted and torn asunder, but also all the different ways that we can come back together. So thank you for listening, and I'm glad that you're here and going to be cheesy, but comment, like, subscribe. Now the doctor is no longer perceived as this god and this special person who walks in with his white cloak, not coat, right? <laughs> and so the family's like, yo, what's up? Like, like you dropped the ball. Like, my mom didn't get this medication, I told you. And now the doctor has attitude. One, he's not even used to even being talked to like that. Yeah. Right. Or no one's ever even, like, he's not even, or she, let me stop saying he because there's female physicians. They're not even used to being talked to like that because everybody's always so happy to see them because they're almost never around or seen. Yeah. So they don't know how to handle that situation. Whereas the nurses, I mean, we get, we get cursed out. I mean, in 12 and a half hours, your patient have loved you, hated you, loved you, hated you again. Like, you know, like forgiving. I mean, it's just this myriad of feelings and you're just so used to it. Every time something happens, you're like, yeah, I've seen this before. I know what to do. The doctors have no idea what to do in those situations because those are like real life human situations. They know what to do on the computer. They know how to order things. You know, they can troubleshoot. They'll think they're they're calling specialists and consultants. But that human thing, and it's not all of them because some of them are really good. Some of them are amazing. The ones that still, this actually, because I don't want to, okay, so I'm throwing shade at some doctors, not all. Of course. There are, there were two doctors that my mother had who were amazing. Right. Absolutely amazing. And it got to the point where I had, gosh, I started having nurses' personal cell phone numbers, their personal cell phone numbers. Yeah. Like, and they, you know, like, you know, three o'clock in the morning, the nurses, myself, we could text message them and get immediate responses. Yeah. But something that both of them talked about was how the doctors that they were seeing coming through the pipeline, they were in it for the money mm-hmm. and had zero bedside manner. And one of them, it was like they're just a bunch of assholes. <laughs> a lot of direct them. quote. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you have to think about it, right? You have certain families where everyone's a physician, mm-hmm. so that's the line, right? That's the line of profession in your family. So naturally, you become a physician. Your parent is an alumni at a mm-hmm. prestigious institution, so you get it, not based on merit or anything else. Like your your, your father, your mother, they donate their alumni. You get in, they know everybody, they're on some board. Then you become a doctor, like never because you wanted to save lives or help people, only because you wanted like people to address you as doctor such and such. Which is and crazy. that's a real thing. It, it is crazy. Because, yeah, it, it is not, very yeah. ego driven. And you can see it. And then you have, you the know, calling. doctors who are amazing. Yeah. I mean, they have hearts of gold, the bedside man, like they understand people. And then you have different specialties, like different specialties are known for different things. Like surgeons are not really known to be nice people, you know, not to anybody, not even to themselves. So every, everything has its little, you know, trait or whatever. And the problem now though, is like a lot of doctors are younger and younger and like without experience. So there's no connection. Like you really don't care about, you know, this 90 year old woman like you probably need to have a grandmother so you don't even know why she means so much to her family or you don't you don't care for the person who is in the bed and the reason they didn't take their medications is because they couldn't afford it you felt like because you prescribed it they should they should have got it and that was it you can't see past 
just the black and white. You don't see the social issues. You don't see the disparities. You're like, oh, this person is not worth my time because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. If you were to dig deeper, you would understand that there were barriers that stopped them from doing what you wanted them to do. And if you were a really good doctor, you would have created a goal or a plan that was actually realistic, which is what they're trying to teach in medicine now. You know, telling a diabetic don't eat sugar anymore, that's a joke. Are you crazy? I would be like, yeah, okay. And I'll go right to the candy store. But like, if you're saying like, you can eat this kind versus yeah. that kind. Sometimes you can treat yourself like you still give that person some type of control yeah. and say in their care. Nobody wants to feel like somebody else completely took over their lives. Yeah. And this is why we have people that are still sick and people that are not compliant because that people piece is totally missing. It's all textbook and data says and research and science. And then that human is looking at you like, that's all good, but like, I'm a wife. I'm a whole life with a whole yeah. separate thing going on and a whole community behind, like, and a lot of um, LGBTQ, like, they have to really, really think about who they choose as their providers. And that is the other new thing, like, and there's certain clinics and places that are more welcoming where they feel more safe. And that's because healthcare workers, period, really still don't know how to treat people. They are still very biased, and they still bring a lot of their personal beliefs into their work, and it affects your work, and you get negative outcomes. And that's where everything... So, and it's, it's so sad. Like, I see what patients go through. I've been on both sides, and it's like, sometimes patients' um, expectations are completely unrealistic, you know? And and sometimes on the provider side, the, you know, the treatment or the plan, that's unrealistic, too. You know, the expectation is unrealistic. So, it's a very broken system. It is, and that's why I tell people stay healthy. Like, I'm all about prevention and promotion because America is like, you either stay healthy, and if you get sick, you just need to die right away because if you're in that middle where you're sick and you're going through a disease process for a long period of time, you are going to hate the healthcare system. Just like the justice system, it's broken, it's bureaucratic, you got to go through insurance companies, you have to fight for everything, and then it's just not worth it. So, you know, you got to stay healthy because, I mean, the hospital, that's just nowhere anybody wants to be. No yeah, way. that's always, like, my number one prayer. I'm like, Lord, please keep me and my people healthy because, yeah. um, like, I've just seen, I mean, I guess it's unfortunate, but it's also fortunate because I've seen so much, not as much as a nurse would, yeah. but being a secretary in medical practice, like, I've seen so much on the back end. I know. And, I mean, we had, like, the number, so many narcotics were being pushed. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, people, we caused that problem. People were supposed yeah. to be, I was told that after a while, they're supposed to be sent to pain management. We had people calling up Asking for refill of Vicodin. They haven't been in for a follow up in like six, seven, eight months. Yeah. Doctors just write prescriptions for narcotics left and right. Mm-hmm. Which I don't even think some of that stuff was And legal. you know what's so crazy? Because everyone's like, oh, everyone's taking, um, paying so much attention to opiate addiction and it's affecting so many white families because doctors would provide white yeah. patients pain medication. Yeah. And a black patient would not get Percocet. They would give you Motrin, mm-hmm. even though maybe you should have had Percocet for that knee yeah. replacement or whatever. Mm-hmm. So again, the bias, it backfired because you thought you were being super nice to your, you know, nice affluent patient and now they're addicted. Right. And they're highly, yeah. And you don't want anyone upset at you and the hospitals are like, oh my God, our pain scores are low. People are saying their pain isn't managed. Flush them with drugs. I remember when I started as a nurse, that was 2006. Mm-hmm. 
for headaches and migraines. Like, so there's a medication called Dala. It's called Dala. The, the water, I heard yeah, it. Yeah, so it's, water. it's heroin. Okay. Yeah. So I, heroin, right? I know someone Ooh. who was addicted to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And when no, I was a new nurse, guess what? what? I told you. You mm-hmm. never know it at the time. I did not know it at the time. I used to have You never gave that. The only time a patient got Dala was out of surgery. And I remember when I was a new nurse, we never gave that. Like, the, the most you would give is morphine. Ooh. And I remember after two years in nursing, I was giving Dilaudid for people who fell and stubbed their toe. What? For people with a headache, still now. And I was like, damn, like, when we start giving this for that? Like, <laughs> I, I, I remember when it was happening. And Florida was considered a pill mill at the time. I was in Miami. Oh, really? And I was just like, this is going to be a problem. And then yeah. people would just come to the ER literally for a fix. Like, I was okay. I was a drug dealer. The doctors were the drug dealers. I was like the pusher. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. the yeah. person who stood on the corner and gave you the drugs, yeah. they were the yeah. suppliers. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting here like, this is going to be an issue. And if someone complained that their pain wasn't managed, boom, doctor ordered dilaudid. Still, mm-hmm. so now they're like, "Oh, we're not giving it to you anymore." And you think people are gonna say, oh, "Okay, no," they're raging hell. You know, they're stealing, they're doing whatever they have to do to get that drug. And that the whole time, the only reason they were exposed to it is because it was prescribed by yeah. a physician, exactly. legally, legally dispensed legally, everything administered legally, like. This is the only place where someone can legally get you high only because you want to get high and it's okay. Not only we get you high, we check your vital signs and make sure everything is okay before we send you back home so you can come back and get high again. Yeah. That is nuts. And they make money for that, but I have cousins who've been locked up for doing that same thing in the street. What's insane also to me is that the the war on drugs (laughs) is still being presented as though like the opiate crisis is a street crisis. Which it is clearly not. Like it's there is all of the science there, mm-hmm. all like all the data, right? Yeah, yeah. You really you can't you can't yeah. fight with the science. Yeah. But it's, it's not rock and roll. Yeah. It's not rap music. It's no. not. No, it's your doctor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's your doctor. Yeah. So. Oh, and here's the other thing that gets me because. Like, look, if you look through the medical pamphlets or whatever, mm-hmm. and they, I think, I don't know if they've always, I mean, I think they've always done this for as long as I've known. Like, on something like Vicodin or whatever, it will say, you know, use after three days is when dependency, like, because of the half-life, dependency takes hold after three days, so you need an exit plan after three days, or if you're going to be on this for longer, you need a pain management long-term exit strategy, but before you even take it, you need an exit strategy where you, you really only have three days is what I could, I could be getting that information sort of wrong, but I'm trying to remember, but it's really short. Yeah. So the misconception, so this is the thing Like these medications are around cause obviously they're needed, right. For certain things. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh yeah. And the problem is when pain is mismanaged, mm-hmm. you take more. So I have a lot of patients like we're giving you Percocet because you're going to need the Percocet. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I don't want to get addicted. I'm not, you're not going to get addicted if you take it as prescribed. Yeah. And then the medication says as needed. When you no longer have pain, you do not need to take this. Mm -hmm. But some people like, oh my God, they still have pain, but they remember that feeling. Oh my God, I felt so good. They keep taking it. Mm -hmm. So why are you giving somebody more pills than they require? That's one thing. Another thing is there's people who suffer because they're so scared of what's going on. They don't take it at all. 
and now they have to go to pain management because their pain is unmanageable. So it's a very it's a very hard thing. But you also have people with you know with with traits like there's red flags. You know like if someone has you know back issues and fibromyalgia and knee pain and I'm accident prone. Those are kind of like red flags, you know, because this person is well versed in drugs and, and opiates and, and muscle relaxants. So there's different levels. You have patients who are naive to drugs. That's like somebody like, you know, me or you who probably never had something and then something happened and we had it. And then there's people who are chronic, chronic drug users. There's people with chronic pain who require chronic drug use. But then there needs to be, you can't give somebody. Percocet for the rest of their lives. First of all, they'll never have a bowel movement ever again in their lives. They're probably bowel constipation, yeah. so that's not gonna work. So, like, no one's looking at alternatives. So now people are looking at CBD. Yeah. People are looking at psychotherapy because it's a, just a mental yeah. dependency and not a physical one. So now scientists and researchers are looking at what is what is even pain you know what i mean because what those meds do are they just they block the receptors so it doesn't mean that your body isn't experiencing it you just you which just is why it can be sort of dangerous as well like when i broke my foot well first of all i broke my foot mm-hmm. sorry i'm gonna finish your story no, no, no. and then i'll go off no, no i want to hear about your foot. okay so i i broke my foot and i was like oh it's probably not that bad let me wait and i was like oh no it's okay. i've definitely broke it but like not you know just the little small bones on the top mm-hmm. like I fell and cracked them all oh that's and uh and I was like what's the closest so I found like a med start clinic okay and I called them and I was like so I just called you because you're the closest and I I really think I did something to my foot mm-hmm. I think it's broke it feels I can't even feel it it felt broken at first now it's so puffy like mm-hmm. it doesn't look like a foot mm-hmm. so <clears throat> do you have the ability to see me because you know so i think i, I called myself a lift mm-hmm. and got over there mm-hmm. and then um three doctors all said yep broken foot mm-hmm. and uh and this is this was when i was like it, they gave me crutches and they gave me a prescription mm-hmm. to go to the right aid and so i was like okay well i got my crutches let me just you know hobble down mm-hmm. to the right aid and I didn't even look at it because I was in so much pain and I was like trying to manage the crutches mm-hmm. and then my bag and all that stuff which is like you know I mean this is like real first world problems like, mm-hmm. like oh no like trying yeah. to trying to learn crutches but anyway so I get to the right aid and I give them the prescription and it's for Motrin mm-hmm. and I was like I wasn't upset that they had only given me Motrin mm-hmm. but I didn't understand why oh and then the insurance company didn't cover my crutches which is like Mm-hmm. I've never heard of that happening. Yeah, they charged me seventy five dollars for crutches, and as far as I knew, crutches were always covered. No, crutches aren't covered. Walkers aren't covered. Casts aren't covered. Really? So yeah, I got this bill in the mail, and I was like, "What? Is what the heck?" Mm-hmm. I was I was peeved, mm-hmm. but also I was like, "Okay, if you're gonna give me something that I already have at home, mm-hmm. right? Like, and literally yeah. have that. You could have just told me, hey, you know the ones that you have underneath your sink? Mm-hmm. These are." equal to, you know, double those. So instead of hobbling over... And you don't need a prescription for Motrin, but guess what? There's patients who will not leave your office unless you give them a prescription. Well, I stupidly, I didn't look at it. I was like, okay, yeah, the doctor gave me a prescription. Yeah. So I'm going to go get my prescription filled and then go back home. And at the end of it, I was like, I could have literally done a much shorter trip 
mm-hmm. just gone home and didn't need this because mm-hmm. I have it under my kitchen sink. Yeah, like we and, all do. You know, right. and I could have just taken two of them for a month. Right. Like, right. You know? <laughs> but then you're like that person that I didn't realize what was going on. I had a former friend um, who turned up was hiding a very serious problem. Yeah, yeah, very serious problem. 